Well, I'm very excited about today because we are starting a brand new series called The Eight. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> we're bringing a brand new series at The Eight. Forget it. Bring a brand new series at The Eight called Eyewitness. But I first want to remind all of us what is The Eight? So, our tagline here at The Eight, The Eight is our second service here at San Mark Church, and it's a place to renew and reset life. Eight is the symbolic number of a brand new start. There's seven days in a week. And number eight is a brand new start to something brand new. A lot of us, either through, through mistakes, regrets, through issues, or whatever, a lot of us just want to press the reset button and begin a fresh new start on whatever aspect of life. Okay, can we hear me now? Okay. All right. Okay, we're good now. So, welcome to the eight. And then we're printing, starting a brand new series uh, called Eyewitness. But the eight is a place, our second service here at San Mark, a place for us to renew and reset life here at the eight. Again, we're beginning a brand new series for the summer here at San Mark Church called Eyewitness. Here are two words that are super churchy, but you know what they are. Faith and belief. Words that are used a lot in church. But take a step outside of church for a second. Take a step outside of world religion. Take a step away, take a step away from any ideology that might use these words, faith and belief. Put religion aside. You know what these two words mean. Here are two facts that we can all agree on. In the real world, we believe based on evidence. In the real world, we believe based on evidence. Like you need to see something in order to believe it to be true. Like this is true for anything that goes on. Here's another fact that you know is true. We believe based on confidence in the person delivering the information. I promise you in school, when the teacher said 8 times 8 is 64, I promise you you didn't go, well, um, you didn't go home and stack up 8 things and stack them to make sure that's 64. You didn't do that. But you had trust in the person who was delivering the information to you. And you trusted what that teacher was telling you. You didn't test it yourself, but you had trust in what that person was telling you. So we trust the information that we hear depending on the trust that we have on who is delivering the message. But sometimes we might hear things on the news or things are outside that we have a natural confirmation bias to believing what we want to believe. For example, here's the million dollar question. If you get nothing out of this, out of today's talk, this is the number one question. Is coffee good for you? Well, see, I see. I, I have confirmation bias. Coffee is 100% good for me. But then I might see conflicting uh, studies that might say, you know, coffee is not good for you. But I have a confirmation bias of wanting to hear what I already want to be true. So I naturally have a confirmation bias of, of wanting to believe that coffee is good for me. Is it true or not? I don't know and I don't care. Because I have a confirmation bias of wanting to believe that coffee is good for me. When it comes to the words of, of faith and belief, some, somehow, I don't know what happened, they have become separated from intellect. Faith and belief have become separated from reason. Faith, spiritual faith and belief are often separated from reason. There are two words that have become hijacked in the Christian world and in many other world views to be overused and you just hear someone say, oh, you just need to have faith. You just need to have faith. Or just have trust in God. Or you just need to believe. You just need to, okay, I'm telling you, I don't believe. You just need to, you need to have faith. I'll never forget, I shared the story before here at the 8. 
somebody was saying, well, how do I know like, you know, God really exists or whatever? And the, and the person told him, well, just pray about it. <laughs> well, why would I pray if I don't know that God exists? But faith and belief are two words that are overused. And sometimes we kind of just throw it out. Well, you don't believe? Okay, well, you just need to have faith. If you asked them, if you asked the son of a fisherman who saw something curious about this rabbi named Jesus that has seen his friends die, that left everything and had a curiosity, a spark of curiosity of knowing who Jesus from the city of Nazareth is. And you asked him, should I just have faith? Would he say, really? You think everything I saw, you think it's just based on faith? You think it's just like trust or I believe in God after everything that I saw? Let me go off on a small tangent. The reason why church has begun to decline in America and throughout the world for years and for decades, and why church attendance continues to decline. Like, I, I attend these Christian conferences that beyond just Orthodox church leaders. And everyone is saying the same thing. The church has continued to decline, attendance continues to go down, and people are continuing to walk away from the faith. And you know why? Because no one taught them about the faith in the first place. A lot of us maybe have just heard, you just need to trust, you just need to have faith, you need to have belief. Really? I don't think... If I look at the record of some of these eyewitnesses, I don't think they left everything. I don't think their life flipped upside down just based on faith or just on belief. Many people leave the church because they never were talked into the church in the first place. Many people walk away from God because they were never talked about God or knowing who Jesus is in the right way. This man, John, young guy, didn't leave his dad's fisher biz, fisher, fishing business out of faith. He did not leave everything just by saying, you know what, I just need to have faith in Jesus. He left everything because he saw something supernatural about this rabbi named Jesus. And this eyewitness opens our eyes in, in such a new way of looking at who Jesus is. From his perspective of what he records and one of us, uh, what many of us know as the Gospel of John. The unique thing about of, of, of how he writes the manuscript, how he writes the Gospel of John, is that he doesn't just write about what happened to Jesus. Like, he didn't just, at the end of his life, say, you know what, I feel like I should sit down and write like everything I experienced for three years with Jesus. He didn't just write about events, but he wrote about events that lead to something so much more. He, was, he wanted to write stuff that led to something so much more than just events or signs or miracles that occurred. But before we look into this eyewitness record of John, which is the fourth gospel that we have of Jesus' life, let's jump all the way to the end of his writing. Now again, now we're tapping into someone that has outlived Paul, Peter, all the disciples that has seen crazy things. And now he's writing now all the events that has occurred throughout his three years with Jesus. And this is how he ends his manuscript, his record of Jesus' life. Jesus performed many other signs. This is the end of his, his gospel reading. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not even recorded in this book. What's the book? Not the Bible. Not the Bible. 
He's talking about his booklet, his, his, his manuscript of him writing down what he experienced with Jesus. He's saying, I, there are so many signs and events that I experienced with this rabbi named Jesus, which I eventually found out is God, that I, I, I didn't even record down in this manuscript that I'm writing down in this book. But these are what I, what, what the things that I've already written earlier in this book, that these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, listen to how he's going to end it. He's saying, I, uh, that by believing you can say that you're a Christian or that you can say that Jesus is Lord. That by believing, you may have life in his name. John uses a specific word. He doesn't say miracles. He says signs. And we'll get into that, why he uses the word signs. But he's saying, there are so many crazy things that I have seen and experienced in my life that I don't even have enough papyrus paper to write everything down that I experienced. I'm just writing down some of the highlights that I experienced with Jesus firsthand as an eyewitness. And I'm sharing this not just for you just to believe. Say, yes, I believe just. I'm not telling you, I don't want you to just believe that this rabbi that I followed is God. But I want you to believe by everything that I've written before in this book is I'm writing this so you can believe, so you can have life within you. In order for you to have the fullness of life, this is why I'm writing all this, not just for you to say, yes, I trust God, this is a nice book, or yes, Jesus is God. It's not just by saying that. I'm, I'm, everything I took time to write down that I experienced with Jesus is not for you just to believe. I'm writing this in order for you to have life. So St. John records his gospel into, into seven major signs that he experiences with Jesus. And these are not just supernatural like signs or events that he experiences with Jesus, but these are signs pointing to something so much more. These are not just random miracles that say, oh yeah, Jesus, that's good. You know, he turned the water into wine, that's very good, and glory be to God. No, it's something so much more. That John is writing in a way for it to point to something so much bigger than the actual event itself. He's not just writing to show that, you know, this Jesus man recorded some, you know, acts of kindness toward people. What St. John records are events. Events. They're actually signs that point to something more. And they're evidence that this man, this rabbi Jesus, is actually God with skin on him. It's evidence to prove that he is the divine deity, divine God, God the Father. Like, he's like, from a, from a Jewish perspective, this is Yahweh. With, with, this is God with skin on him. This points to evidence. That through this evidence, I believe that he is actually God who came to give me the fullness of life. And see, it, since he is the fullness of life and since he is a divine designer of me, I put my trust in him. And this is the framework that St. John uses as he records these seven major signs that are recorded in his gospel. Many scholars, actually, when they look at the four gospels, they put Matthew, Mark, and Luke in one category, which they use the word synoptic gospels, because they're very written in a very similar way. But John is in a completely different category all by himself from his unique perspective. And actually, a lot of stuff that we know of intimate conversations that we experience that Jesus told his followers are not written in the other three gospels, but they're written by a first eyewitness, a bystander whose life was never the same from what he experienced. Being a fisherman in his dad's business, Leading it all and what he experienced that rocked his world. 
the unique thing that I love about the Gospels, and a lot of us kind of pass by this, they record, John records, him believing in Jesus. Uh, okay, maybe this is all, it's just like, whatever. They're going from believing to disbelieving to believing again. They record their, their questions. They record their hesitation. They record their fear. Some of us think that they saw Jesus and Jesus said, come and follow me. And they said, yes, Lord, I will follow you for the rest of my life. You are my God. No. They had fear. They had hesitations. They had questions. The first sign of what I want to look at is the only one that rhymes when Jesus turns water into wine. Jesus turns water into wine. And this is something a lot of us are very familiar with. But I want you to capture now the lens of, 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 a, of someone attending this wedding reception and his perspective of all the details that he captures in this event of Jesus turning water into wine. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Jesus says, Woman, why do you involve me? Pause right there. Some of us, it, when we kind of read this, we read it like, oh, oh, like Jesus calling his mom, like, woman? Like, in, in, in our cultural context, yeah, like that's, yeah, do not do that. Yeah, do not do that. <laughs> but in the historical and cultural and psychological context of the time, the, the translation more proper is saying, like, my lady. He's saying, my lady. Maybe the formal setting is because of a wedding reception, or maybe he's just being funny with his mom, whatever the case might be. But don't think of it as a, as a degrading way of him saying, woman, it's not my time. <laughs> Jesus basically is saying, I, I came to save the world, not weddings. Like, you know, take it easy, woman. I'm a, don't, don't look at it from that context. Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. Like, it's not time for me to reveal who I am. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood sticks, the six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. And again, John is recording all these details for a purpose, to point to something. Each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill up the, water, fill up the jars of water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Pause right there. Like, this is, like, we know, this is, oh, water turned into wine. Notice how John records, as if, it, like, this is art, like, like, he's writing this at the end of his life. He's recording something that everybody already knows. Everybody already knows what happened, how Jesus began his ministry with turning water into wine. Look, look how he writes, they did so, and the master of the bank would taste the water, that have already been turned into wine. Like, he's writing it knowing his audience already knows what occurred, because he's wanting to point to something so much more than just an event that occurred. He's wanting to point to something more than just a miracle that occurred. They did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, you know, everyone breaks out the choice wine first. Like, everyone breaks out the best wine first. And then the cheaper wine, after the guests, you know, are a little bit tipsy and had too much to drink. But you, you have saved the best till now. This is the point. John is wanting to deliver. That John is highlighting that Jesus has brought the best till now. That all the stuff of, of, of all the covenant, all the sacrificial covenant, all the stuff from the Old Testament, all of that is great 
And all like, it, these, these, these jars used to be used for ceremonial cleaning and all that stuff in the past. All that's great. But all of that points to the best. All of that points to the best coming to give us life. Jesus looked at this wedding and says, you know what? This is an opportunity for me to show. Maybe he knew this all along that he was going to use this event. Maybe not. We don't know. But he said, this is an opportunity for me to show them. That all the stuff, all the stuff that they've used in the past, all the stuff, all of this is great. All the stuff in the Old Testament is great. But all that is pointing to all of it coming to the best. All of this coming to fruition. All of this coming to completeness. All of that pointing to the one. Jesus of Nazareth. There was a gangster. There was a gangster in the 5th century. His name is St. Augustine. He eventually became a saint. But as this person who began to follow Jesus, and he changed from being from, from a, 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 a thug to now becoming a philosopher to becoming a theologian, he writes down, as he read this, as he read this exact same thing in the 5th century, he said, wow, it's crazy that Jesus was at a wedding to, 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 to save a reception. But in reality, this was sparking him saving the world. But the lens of how he looked at it, he said, oh yeah, it's great. Jesus turned water into wine. He, his meditation on this was saying that Jesus came to save a, a, a wedding reception. But in reality, this was the beginning of him saving the world by him showing that he is God in flesh. <coughs> we continue. What Jesus did here, this is St. John continuing. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. They didn't believe just by blind faith. They say, oh yes, Jesus, we know that you're God, we believe in you, our life is submitted to you. They believed by what they saw. And this is what changed their life. You know, maybe we can't really relate much to John because maybe our faith is not but by seeing. Like he saw something as an eyewitness and he records it. And maybe some people do believe by what they see. Some people do experience certain miracles that maybe do rock their world. But for the vast majority of us, that's not the case, including myself. But we put our trust on an eyewitness and what he recorded. And many other eyewitnesses from various perspectives on what they recorded of who Jesus of Nazareth is. And for many of us, our faith, our pursuit of the fullness of life, comes by hearing. Comes by hearing. And we are invited. We are invited to follow him. By looking at the records and perspectives and eyewitness accounts of who Jesus is. Not purely by just saying, we just need to have faith. Yes. But as we dive deeper into knowing what these eyewitnesses recorded, how their life rocked, and for us to relate to them, how they went from, from believing to not believing to jumping back in. And that, that's something that many of us can relate to. It was never by just by blind faith. From everything that John said, or from everything that John saw and recorded, this is why he was able to write with so much confidence that God loved the world so much that he gave his son that whoever, whoever believes in him will have eternal Life. Why he was able to say there was so much boldness and so much confidence from what because of what he experienced himself and because of what he experienced and seeing his, his, his friends die because of this movement of, of Christianity. 
from him seeing this rabbi who did supernatural miracles be killed and then overcome death and have breakfast with him the next day? Because of what John experienced, this is why he was able to save so much confidence that God gave his only son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. We are now sparking for the next five weeks. Over the next well, not five weeks consecutively, over the, over the five, five sessions here at the eight, for us diving deeper into some of these signs that we experience from John. That hopefully this opens our eyes. That maybe that my faith is not just based on just because I'm born into it or I should just take it passively. That, that my walk toward Jesus is maybe looking into some of the eyewitness accounts. And for me to relate to their highs and lows and ups and downs and struggles and their perspective of how their life was rocked because of them following a rabbi that they knew at the point. Jesus, who they realized later, is God. Let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for preserving the, the, the records and manuscripts of, of what John experienced. As, as a young man, for him to, to leave everything and for him to see who you are, God. And then through his struggles, through his hesitation, through his fears, he records life-changing events that point to so much more than just events and miracles, but, tr but point to fullness of life. Just as it rocked his world, and just as it rocked the early Christians, Lord, we ask that your word penetrate our mind, our heart, that it can rock us, for us to find the fullness of life just as St. John did. Through the prayers of all the apostles and the ones who have followed you with their life, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but the rest from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Thank you guys. Two quick reminders. Uh, we have our photo booth set up outside, so please feel free to take some pictures uh, there for Mother's Day. And then a week from today, seven days, we will be at Sandy Springs Christian Church from 7 to 9.